All right, today's Dav is Dav, Kuf Kimmel, page 103. And we pick up from the bottom of Kuf Beis, Amud Beis, we are up to Amar Mar, the Tanatadas, which is six lines from the bottom of the Dav. All right, here we go. We're describing uh, halachas concerning purchasing land uh, as a messenger and what if you're playing around with the seller and the seller's unclear as to who he's selling it to? taught us person who purchases a field. as if you are representing the Reish Galusa. Now, why would you do that? So we learned yesterday already. <laughs> and everybody else is out of here. See ya. They know they're not getting this and they're not messing around with the Reish Galusa, the leader of the Gullahs. So, easier way to purchase. Guess what? If they put it under the Reish Galusa's name, the Reish Galusa could just hold on to it. You tell the seller, I'm here on behalf of the Reish Galusa. He says, behold, I'm selling this land to the Reish Galusa. Well, now the Reish Galusa owns it, buddy. So you want to go to the Reish Galusa, tell the Reish Galusa, put under your name. He's not mechoyif to do so. Why'd you put under his name? Mechlal, we can't imply, the Tanakhama Savar, Mechlal de Mikne Kanyale, that this is considered an acquisition. Meaning, we're assuming what this means is the Reish Galusa doesn't have to give it over to him because it's already his. Let's say this argues on those in Eretz Yisrael. They say, listen, why should it become his? The, the seller never gave it to him. Says, no, if it's because of it, there's no question. Maybe he told the uh, owner of the field um, and the Edom what his plan is. Yeah, I'm just doing this because I don't want people uh, want people to leave. I don't, don't want to mess around over here. Let's just get down to business. Everybody really knew that he was talking smack, you know, as if he's a, a tough guy, like he's talking, like he's uh, representing the exclusive. But they really knew that he wasn't. So it's more the safe. If person says Amenas, I'm buying the field on condition. That it goes under the name of the race exclusive, and the race exclusive gives it over to me. We do force the race exclusive to help him. Am I? Why? Let the race exclusive should say, I don't want your yucker. Preciousness. No, you, you, he says, like, I'm here from the Reish Kluza. I don't want your preciousness. I don't want your uh, big time talking. Nor do I need your Zilu Saichu. Nor do I need uh, your Zilus, which Rashi says means, uh, you know, um, putting me down in such a fashion. Like, hey, come talk to me like a mensch. Come like everybody else. Why do you got to be, why do you got to, why do you got to be different? So, it can't be that's the pshat of that the Rish Galusa. Uh, it can't be that's the pshat that we uh, obligate the Rish Galusa to give it to him. Elam Rabai. Rather, Rabai says, If somebody buys a field for his friend, the Rish Galusa. So, over here, in the previous case, what we say, he says, I'm buying it for the Rish Galusa. Now, what he's saying is, Do you know who I am? I'm buying it for me. Let me tell you who I am. I am the friend of the Reish Galusa. <laughs> right. So insert your favorite, do you know who I am joke uh, over here. 
uh, for me, it's the guy in shul and a lady walks in, and she she asks him if you know, we're you know if she could sit in the front row during the rabbi's sermon. So uh, the guy's like telling you, lady, you don't want to sit in the front row. Rabbi's a terrible speaker, and he goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. He thinks uh, he's, he could speak till Mashiach comes. He's terrible. So she says, do you know who I am? He says, no. She says, well, I'm the rabbi's mother. Ooh. He says, Oyved, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, good. He ran away. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right? <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. All right. So he says, so he now turns to the top of Dav Kuf. Gimel will be turned to the top of today's Dav. We don't force the seller to sell it to him a second time because he, he was just saying he was you know talking big. But if the buyer said you know that that uh, I want to make sure that you actually put it in my name, you know if there's pre then we do force. If there's prearranged understandings, then we follow that. If you're not if you're not here to show up and tell us what's actively going on, so that's that's your problem. Like there's nothing. You can't you can't twist everybody else into a pretzel if it's you know if if you're not letting them know ahead of time what's happening. Okay, Omar Mar, here we go. The Tana taught us. Third line, somebody who buys a field in the name of his friend. We don't force the guy to sell it to him a second time. Being like, oh, you know, last time I told you to write it in Steve's name. I really want it is throw it in my name. I just didn't want everybody knowing that I'm going to own the land. You know, you have a lot of sales like that. A lot of times that comes up. You know, somebody wants to buy something, but there's like a lot of, I don't want everybody to know that I have it. So you put it under somebody else's name, but then afterwards you're like, after the Elam leaves, you're like, yeah, just put it in my name. It's, you know, I just didn't want everybody bothering me. So we say, the seller doesn't have to get involved in that. He says, listen, I put it into this other guy's name, but it's time for me to go home to dinner. Uh, you know, I don't have time for this anymore. I'm sorry? I don't care whose name you put it in. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't force me. Says, why would the seller be obligated to do it again? Says, I would think the buyer could say, you for sure knew that I was buying it from me. You knew that. And I was doing this to kind of protect myself. The Zuze and the money, for no reason, why would I throw it out? Well, you, 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 you know I'm trying to protect myself. And people don't waste money. Rather, you should have known beforehand, and I assumed that you knew, that I'm going to want another document that is done properly. In other words, it's a fascinating psychology over here where sales need to be full, need to be with both, uh, consensual between the seller and the buyer. If there's a reading between the lines that's expected between seller and buyer, that does come into play even if it's not on paper. That's the understanding. There's an understanding that comes along with the buying and selling process. An example, maybe? What's an example? Like two guys are making a deal. You're holding a lollipop. Right. You're holding a lollipop. So I'm, I'm walking into, uh, I'll tell you a Misa. I'll tell you a Misa. Rabbi Friend tells over this Misa. 
He says there was, uh, I think he was standing in Tove Pizza in Baltimore, the pizza shop, or somebody else was. Tove Pizza, they have lollipops on the counter. Where you buy, you know, like in Trader Joe's, they give out, give out lollies. So, um, the, a mother walks in with her kid to buy pizza and french fries. And she says to the uh, guy behind the counter, she says, Hey, do you mind just putting away the lollipops? <laughs> and the guy by the counter looks at her and he says, Lady, there's a word in the English dictionary called no. N-O. Tell it to your kid. <laughs> I got to hide my lollipops because you can't say no to your kid. Yeah, we keep lollipops out. We keep lollipops out. All right, my friend. My friend took a message from that. Then, yesh for yesh, some and some, however you want to do it. Why am I breaking down the mice? You want examples? There's times where people tell other people things, and it's just because the ilum's around. You know, you have big kids and smaller kids and different types of things, and you want, you need a different type of structure, a different type of setting. But there's, there's an understanding, you know, it, or or like the Candyman and Shul, right? Like the Candyman and Shul. Some parents they don't want their their kids having laffy taffies, right? So. You know, if uh, the parent could tell the candyman, please tell my child if he comes over, tell him, uh, you know, there's no uh, Laffy Taffy's available. Or whatever it is. Okay, so, doesn't mean there's taka none available, but for him, there's none available. So, there's times, you need to read between the lines. All right, I'm not giving you a great example when it comes to sales, but but as I, but that, that, type of, uh, that type of setting. Okay. So, here we go. So Kamash Malans, the Tana lets us know, the Yomar Lei and Yona Avidolach, that the the seller could respond to him, listen, and Yona Avdilach, Bahade Hahu, I was making in Yona, I was like involving myself in this, there's a Vantle Bishmei, with the one who you told me was really buying the field, V'yichter Blach Shtar Achrina, and that, and, and, you know, I, I thought that that guy's going to be busy with it, meaning like this, Ruvain tells the seller to write the field in the name of Shimon. Now, he really wanted it. But for whatever reason, he wanted it written in Shimon's name. After he comes back to the seller, he says, by the way, just put it in my name. That's, that's really what I wanted. So we said the seller could tell him no. So, says Pashat, of course he could tell him no. He says, no, I would have thought that the buyer has right to say to the seller... This is what goes on. You should have read between the lines. The answer is the seller could respond. I know that this happens sometimes, but that doesn't obligate me to write another contract. You know what? It's, you know. You know what it obligates Shimon to write it over to you. That's what I figured you're going to do. You want to put in Shimon's name? Now you're going to hack me up to write two documents. You put in your friend's name. You trusted him enough. Let your friend write it over to you. Otherwise, why'd you ask you to put in your friend's name? Uh, in your friend's name at all. Let me just wrap up this idea and we'll get to your question, okay? It says the Gemara, But if he says, Almanas, the whole thing was conditional that you could sell it to me in another document, then we'll say you're obligated to. Says Gemara Pshita, of course, he agreed to that. No, the buyer said in front of uh, witnesses, and everybody's there, there's a seller, there's a buyer, there's Adam, he says, Chazu Dishtara, that there another star, another document I want also. So he said there's another document that he's going to want the seller to be involved in. 
I would have thought to say the seller could respond. I thought what you meant was that you want a second document from the other guy who you told me to write in his name. The Amar Le know that the buyer could respond to the seller. That's why I said, well, witnesses in front of you, so I don't get messed over in that way. Because I wanted you to write me a second document, and hence, if it's made conditionally with in front of witnesses, there would be a responsibility to write another document. Okay, before we get to the story, go ahead. Um, just from a business point of view, that we are uh, dealing with something that's relatively petty. You want to sell me something, I want to buy something. All right, so, so uh, because you are presumably a motivated seller, you want to please say, here, just write them out a second document. Very minor. Well, why is it? Why is this minor? I mean, right now the the field was just written over to somebody else's name. It wasn't written over to the guy who's actually paying the money. It says it's important that it's given over to me. The seller seems to be objecting. Don't trouble me to write a second document. Yeah. But how much trouble is it to write a second document? It could be a lot of trouble. Yeah. It could be a liability. It could be a lot of trouble. Especially He's not writing a receipt on a piece of paper. There's a whole uh, deed that needs to be given over. Whatever, whatever it is. But it, it doesn't matter. It could be something small. It could be something large. Either way, I, uh, we made the sale. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. You make a sale to somebody. The guy comes back and he says, uh, do me a flavor. Um, could you write, you, you, you go to the store, you buy a bag of Mike and Ike's. At the store, right? You, you, the guy's like, okay, here, pay me a dollar fifty. Here's the receipt. Okay, I got to see, I come back. I'm like, can you write me a document stating that it's mine? What do you want me to write? I bought Mike and Ike's. Okay, you purchased Mike and Ike's. Bye. Comes back. He's like, what are you, like, I'm not writing, I don't care if it's small or big. Like, why, what's in my husband? Somebody else is claiming a guy. What's, what, it, it doesn't matter. You want to do a favor for a customer. It doesn't matter. No, no shit. It doesn't matter. So then let it be a favor. And this is a big aside too, by the way. There's a big difference between doing a favor for somebody and then doing something for somebody that they feel they're entitled to. And you know that. Yeah. A lot of people are in, feel they're entitled. You do them a favor, yep. psh, now it's mine. What are you talking about? It's yours. I'm willing to let you do it, but not if you think you're entitled to it. You have no rights. You have no rights to be here right now. I'm doing you a favor. The moment you think you have rights to be here, I get in tug. I can give you a great I'm getting tug. Tell the seller right. ahead of time, I'm putting it in Shmuel's name, but later on I want to change it. That's condition, then you're obligated to. Okay, we got to keep going. Here we go. Rivkahana, you have Zuza Akisona. Rivkahana gave Zuza, gave money, Akisona, Akisona's flax. Okay, so he paid for the flax. Now, he didn't take the flax yet. Then the flax went up in value. The owner sold the flax to somebody else to make more money. Rav Khan came in front of Rav. He says to him, What should I do? Should I go and take my money back? Listen to the story. Because this doesn't make any... I shouldn't say it doesn't. It's very difficult to understand on the surface. 
listen to what's going on. Rashi will, will help us out with this. Amar lei, my Yavan. He says, should I take the money? Amar lei, ika, ikika zavne. If when it was originally sold, Amri Haiki Sanatikahanu, I'm sorry, when it was sold the second time, he said, this is Revkahana's Zolshkoil, and you could take it. Viloy Loitishkol, if not, then you shouldn't take it. Now listen to the story. This is a story of wonderful people, everybody trying to be there for the next person. This is not a story of people fighting over which money to take. This is a story of people, righteous people, fighting over which money to give. Here's what happened. Rav Kahana paid money for flax. He paid $10 for a bundle of flax. He left the flax with the seller, though, but he bought it. Did he pay for it? Paid for it. But the, the seller still has it. The price of, and Rav Kahana left town. The price of flax went up. It tripled. The seller, wanting to do Rav Kahana a favor, says this is, a, this is an incredible deal. He, he finds a buyer for $30 for the bundle and he sells it with the intention that he's going to give Rav Kahana the profit. He knows Rav Kahana wants the sale. Rav Kahana comes back and he says, Rav Kahana, you know, I know you bought flax for $10 for the bundle. I was able to sell it for 30 Here's your money. Rav Kahana says, I don't know if I could take the money because it smells of ribbis. He says, it smells of ribbis. I gave you 10. You held on to the flax. You're giving me back 30. So he went and asked the Shaila, should I, Rav Kahana went and asked, should I allow the seller to keep the money and just take my $10 back and let him make the profit? And they said, well, it depends what happened at the time of the sale. If the seller said to the buyer, this is Rav Kahana's flax and you're buying it from him, so then, it doesn't smell of any sort of it. It's just two business deals. Okay? Two business deals, that's it, finished. But if he didn't say that, and it wasn't clear that he was buying it from you, rather it looked like he was buying it from, from uh, the original seller, then you, uh, then you shouldn't take it. Okay, now the Gemara is going to question this. Says the Gemara, come on, who's this following? Kibnei Marav is following the people in the West, referring to Eretz Yisrael. Tamri the peace of Eretz Yisrael hold me ideal about chitin shiknechitin. Who tells the people who are coming to buy wheat? Lebalmois that uh, I'm sorry. Me me idea who let them know lebal chitin the owner of the wheat sheyaknechitin that when they acquire wheat lebalmois it's going to the one who gives them money, which means. When the owner uh, says the Gemara, it's going to look like ribbis over here because the buyer doesn't have all the information. The buyer was not told that the flax belonged to Rav Kahana. He went to the flax seller. Right? That's, look, you could presume that's why he went to this guy because this guy sold flax to Rav Kahana. So this guy must be selling flax. So he went to buy flax. And since he wasn't told that the flax belonged to Rev Kahana, his intention is to give the money to the seller. And when the, when, uh, the, when the seller gives it back to Rev Kahana, so now Rev Kahana gave him $10, and this guy's giving him back $30, it's going to have an appearance of ribbis. Says the Gemara, no. No, I don't like that. I'll tell you why. Did Rav Kahana give him four and take back eight? 
Is that what happened? Let me tell you what happened. See, if I give you money, $40, and you give me back 80 bucks, that looks like ribbons. But over here, no money was transacted. The flax went up in value on its own. The flax itself went up in value. And therefore, Migzal Gazlua. What right did the flax seller have to sell Rav Kahana's flax? None. Exactly. And therefore, if we don't allow this to go through, you know what's going to end up happening? Basically, the seller's a thief. The seller's a robber. Rav Kahana paid $10 for, for a bundle of flax. This guy goes and sells it because I'm trying to help you. Let me ask you a question. You go out of town, and I'm like, oh, Steve's out of town. You know what? I know his car just tripled in price. Let me go sell and do him a favor. Okay. <laughs> you come back, you're like, uh, excuse me, you want to call me first? Something? What are you doing? All the Gazlanim pay at the time, the, the value at the time that they, that they stole. So the... Um, it becomes a robber. That's right. Now, is there interest? No. Very good. So you know, do you know why this guy is giving Rav Kahana money? Why is this guy giving Rav Kahana $30? Because he sold Rav Kahana's flax. He's got to give him back the value at the time of the sale. Not because of sale money. It's because you have no right to sell it. We look at the time of the sale because that's called the time of theft. Okay. And we'll say, whatever value <coughs> it was, that's what you got to give back to Rav Kahana. But this in no way, shape, or form does it look like interest. It's the same thing as I buy something, it appreciates in value, you steal it, you pay me for whatever value it had at the time. And therefore, says the Gemara, Amri, they said, Hassam in um, the in the, in our story, Amona Havoy. Amona Havoy means there was a guarantee. There was a guarantee over here. But Rav Kahana never made an acquisition. Okay, so listen to this. So what happened was Rav Kahana never acquired the flax. He was laying out money for flax that he wanted down the line. Sometimes purchasers are going to uh, do a cash advance on, on later purchases. And Rav Kahana never made a Kenyan Meshicha, never made an acquisition on, on the flax. You can make an Amana for Paris. You kind of are, are make this fund of cash advance when it comes to fruits. But that doesn't hold hold uh, true for the um, value of for the value of produce. So says the Gemara. What the Gemara is responding is, since the seller received money from Rav Kahana, and now he's taking money from a second buyer, and he's returning the, the uh, more of the amount. So in such a case, this would look like interest. Even though you'd say it's a business deal, it says, no, 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 we're dealing with loans here because dealing with cash advance. So Rav Kahana's advancing cash and now 
we have, we're entering territory of loan, because there's no actual, nothing was taken for it to be a sale yet, and this guy is doing business with another money and giving back real money, hence it would take on the appearance of a loan, and it would be a problem. Does okay. There we go. What do you mean? No, 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 don't do a thief, no. The guy gave him money. Rivkana, the guy. Rivkana gave him money. So, he's, he's give me, so you gave me money to hold on to, to put into a fund for your future purchases. No, he's buying this flash right here. No, no, he's, no, he's not buying it right here. That's what, that's what the Gemara is saying. We're not, dealing where, we're not dealing with a case where he gave $10 for flax like right flag? now. Correct. That's not the case anymore. He says, listen, I'm, I'm, bu- I'm going to buy flax down the road. Hold on to this money for now. I don't keep keep the change for next time. Okay. Okay. So that takes on the the uh, look of a loan. Gavalt, here we go. Complete shift, of course. Now, new topic, and here we go. I claim that Ruve knows me money. There's times where Ruvein has to swear that he doesn't. We'll get into what those cases are. Let's give the most common case. It's called the Maida B'Mektas. If he admits to part of it, I say, I come to Bez, say, Bezin, Reuven owes me $100. Reuven's like, I owe you money, but I only owe you 50 The luck is going to be, Reuven has to swear, he's going to have to pay me 50 and take an oath that he doesn't owe me the other 50 Okay. If he swears falsely, let's say it turns out he lied. So... He's going to have to pay me back the original 50 plus a fifth. It's called a knas, a fine. He's going to have to pay an additional fifth of what he swore about. And he brings a carbon. He brings a, an offering in the Beis HaMikdash. Okay, a carbon asha. Correct. You, the $50 plus a, plus a chaymish plus additional fifth of 50 would be 10. And... You also bring a karbanash. Okay. Listen to this. If somebody steals from his friend, you steal from another Jew, something that has financial value. Something that we'll call it purchasing power. The value of a pruta is something that has purchasing power. And he swears to him that he doesn't have it. And then what happens? It's not true. He wants to do tshuva. We chase after him to Madai. Okay. All right. We chase after him to Madai. Huh? The person owes the money. He has to chase after him. No, which basically means no matter how distant you are, you got to make sure the money goes back. Okay? Um, you can't give it to the guy's son. Or a messenger, but you could give it to a shliach bezin. So this guy who swore falsely, you got to make sure you pay back. Could you? What if you know the guy's son is visiting? Uh-uh, not good enough. But you can give it to shliach bezin. Okay. The emes, let's say the guy who you owe money to and you swore falsely to died. Yachzer the yarshav. So you're going to give the principal and the fifth to his estate. To his heirs. Nasan what if you repaid the fifty dollars, the principal amount? as a 
and you don't add on the fifth. Or what happens if the guy who's owed the money is Michael the $50, but he doesn't want to be Michael the additional fifth. So Michael the 50, fifth. Michael the 50, but not the, not the additional 10. For whatever reason, people have their own Mishigas. People have their own Mishigas. You know, I, I want him to learn a lesson not to swear falsely, and that's the swear falsely payment, you know, whatever. Or he forgives him for both. Unless it's worth less than a shavruta of the principal, the halacha is, We don't uh, start uh, chasing after him. Now before we said to madai, right? You run after him to madai, there's no obligation to run after him. So, <coughs> huh? Please state, state the amount here. Whatever amount it is, if there's mechila, the... The guy who swore falsely doesn't have to find the victim in the far flung places to go repay. Why would he? There's Mechila. What? You said there's Mechila. Why would on part he? of it. Mechila on part of it. Oh. On part of it. Okay? But, but Mechila on part of it. You stole, so then you don't need to chase him all the way. The Gemara doesn't have to explain why. You stole him some money. Okay. Let's say you paid him back the fifth, but you didn't pay the principal. In either case, you still owe the principal. You forgive everything except for Shavruta of the Karen. So again, in all these cases, you owe any amount of the principal. You are obligated to find the victim in the far-flung places to make payment. What happens if the guy who's taking the oath gives the Karen and he swears um, on the Chaymish? Okay, he swears on the Chaymish. So what happened is like this. <laughs> listen, listen, this is great. This is great. This, is great. this guy swore falsely twice. So here's what happened. Yeah, he, he owed... I say to Ruvain, you owe me 100 bucks. Ruvain says, I only owe you 50. Bezin says, Ruvain swears. Ruvain swears, doesn't owe me 50. Then he's busted. So now Ruvain has to pay me 50 plus the fifth. Here's what Ruvain does. Um, Ruvain pays me the 50, but he doesn't pay the additional 10. So what am I going to do? I'll take him back to Bezin to sue him. You have to pay me the fifth. And he swears he paid me the fifth. And it turns out that he swore falsely on that too. So, yeah, he lied. So now, he, he's, first he swore falsely about the principal amount, so he added a fifth. And now he's swearing falsely about the added fifth. So what do you do then? There's no principal amount, and the only thing he's swearing falsely about is the additional chaymish that we placed on him. Top of Ahmed Bez. Hareza mishalim chaymish al chaymish. You're going to have to pay an additional fifth on to uh, onto his uh, uh, original fifth, okay? Well, does that mean? No, uh, so it doesn't mean a fifth of the fifty. It means a fifth of the ten, like because the ten becomes the principal amount that you're swearing falsely on, okay? So if you're going to pay a, a sacrifice. And this goes on and on and on and on and on until ultimately the oath and whatever fifth it is doesn't have any buying power anymore, 
it's worth less than a shava pruta. And in this case, does he have to chase them or to get? Yeah, them? but very good. Rabban's bringing it out. If that's the principle, you gotta you gotta get. Well, it seems you'd have to make sure you make restitution. The chain and similarly bipikodin. The same thing holds true by a bipikodin. Holds true by a deposit. By by a deposit. Okay. Meaning, you give me money as a deposit, and I claim you didn't. And it turns out that I swore falsely. What do I need to do? I need to return the total amount of the deposit, plus I need to add a fifth, and I bring a carbon asham. These halachas apply the same to the same situation. Shenamar, ashak es Whether it was deposit, whether it was a loan, whether I forced a sale from somebody, whether I stole. I matzah where I found a lost object, and I denied it. You find a lost object, and somebody says, I denied you ever have it, and it turns out you did have it. So really, you're trying to steal it. And then you ultimately swear falsely. In all these cases, where you're busted, you're going to have to pay the principal amount, the additional fifth, and the carbon asham. Says the Gemara. Here we go. Six lines from the top of Kuf Gimel Amad Beis. Nishbaloi in. If he swore to the victim, then he got to pay back the Karen Chaymesh and Loi but let's say he didn't swear falsely. Loi, he does not need to chase him all over the place. Okay. Now, what's the chiddush of chasing all over the place? What, 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 why were you a little hung up in the Mishnah about finding the guy in the, right, all the way to Madai? What's the avoid there? Stavaita here is, let's just speak this out, why we're a little obsessed with this. The, the, the guy who swore falsely, you could hear somebody say, you know something? Let's say he lives in LA. And he swore falsely to somebody here in St. Louis. It's a three and a half hour flight. Average plane ticket price? 15, I'm guessing. 15, what, 100? Yeah. To LA? I mean, yeah. I figure round trip. Round trip, it's probably $400. Round trip, $400? Round trip, yeah. yeah. Out, of a few, out of a few months ago. You go frontier, much less. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say it's $400 round trip. Okay, Southwest. You swore falsely to the guy in St. Louis on how much money? 200 bucks. You have to go make restitution. You could hear a guy say, listen, I'm going to spend a $400 plane ticket to pay back 200 bucks? Absolutely. Oh, says the Mishnah, absolutely. Now, I would, think other, I would think otherwise that maybe you don't have to. Maybe you could find another way. Like if the guy's son's in town, uh, give it to him or whatever, even though you don't know for sure that it's going to get back to him. And again, we're talking about the days before Zell and, and uh, you know, and, and bank wires and all those things. You, you got you to spend money. That's what we're saying. You got to spend money to, make, to, to pay your money back. Now, I would think not because in general we have this rule called takana sashavim. When somebody steals something, we, we try to make it easier on the tshuva. But when it comes to the current, when it comes to repaying the principal amount, when we say you got to go to mother, what we're saying basically is you got to spend time and effort and money and to, to, to make restitution. Okay, so here we go. Says the Gemara. Money, who's the Tana of our Mishnah? Who says that if you swear falsely, you got to run after him. But otherwise, if you didn't swear falsely, you don't need to chase him across the world. 
I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Reb Tarfan, it's not Reb Akiva. Let's go through this. The time we learned in the Mishra, Gazalachad Mecham Isha. Fehide Ezmehem. Fascinating case. I walk into Shul, the mask on my face. Five men sitting there learning Dafyaymi. I steal from one of them. I don't, and I run out. Now, I don't know who I stole from. And each one claims, my wallet's gone. The halacha is, if you want to do tshuva, you can walk back into the shul when they're sitting there learning dafyami. These five chavra are there. Put the money down in between them and walk out. Let them figure it out. Okay? Divei Rabbi Tarfin. This is the pin of Rabbi Tarfin. Rabbi Akiva Aymer, Rabbi Akiva argues, and he says, Laizu Adarach, Maitziyasai Midei Avera, Ad Sheyeshalim Gzela Lechol Echad Vechad. That's not how you remove your Avera. The way you remove your Avera is, you make sure you did proper tshuva. And if each one claims that you owe them the money, and you don't know, give each one the money. Make sure you gave it back. Okay? So don't play around with that. Yeah, if you want tshuva. If you want tshuva, <laughs> if you want tshuva, says, says Rabbi Akiva, it's not enough to just put it down in front of them. Your responsibility is to make sure your victim gets their money back. If you put it in front of them, your victim's not going to get his money back. Maybe. Four of the five guys lied. Okay. Fine. Don't steal initially. You know, a lot of times, <laughs> and that's what Rabbi Akiva says. But you're saying with Rabbi Tarfin, Rabbi Tarfin says, listen, four of them are liars. Let them fight it out. Rabbi Akiva says that that's their husband if they want to lie. You make sure that you're taken care of. Okay? Okay. Says the Gemara, some money. So let me ask you a question, says the Gemara. The, with these two logics of Reb Tarfin and Reb Akiva, they cannot be authoring our Mishnah. I'll tell you why. Eve, Reb Tarfin, if you're going to follow the opinion of Reb Tarfin, who said you just put the money between them, I'll say, Afagavdi Shtava, he says that you could just put the money in front of them and, and walk away. So going back to our case... Um, even if this guy swore falsely, you, you don't got to chase this guy. According to the time, you don't need to chase the victim down. Right? You just put the, make the money available and let the victim come get it. Make it accessible. Uh, let him pay for the cruise uh, on the boat to come get the money. Yerebekiva says, no, no, you got to make sure you are completely paid, uh, you're completely paid back. So how would this translate to our Mishnah? Our Mishnah says, if you swore falsely, chase him across the world, right? If you didn't swear falsely, the assumption is you don't have to chase him across the world. But according to Rebekah, you always have to chase him across the world. Make sure you did tshuva. The, you, it says, chase him to Madai, when you swore falsely. According to Rebekah, you always need to chase him. You did not Avera, step up, pay back, no matter what it is. Says more like Rabbi Kiva. He know our mission is Rabbi Kiva. He come Rabbi Kiva. Hashem mikzeil cholachav achad. And where does Rabbi Kiva say that you got to make sure when you walk into shul and you see these five guys sitting there, you're gonna have to pay each one complete restitution. Heicha de shtapa hudik amar. That is only where the guy did actively swear falsely. So Rabbi Kiva is gonna say if you if you stole and you and in addition to that you swore falsely, that's where we have to chase you down. But if you didn't swear falsely, you don't need to chase him down. Says the Gemara. Okay, my time. Tamakra la asher hu loy yitnenu biyayim ashmasai. Whoever it's who whoever owns it, 
you got to give it on the day of his Asham, the day that he is uh, that he is uh, guilty. Reb Tarfin, is going to say, even though these guys were falsely, the Rabbana made the Takana. Remember, what do we say? What, what decree did the Chum say? They made a decree that uh, to make it easier to do repentance, to make it easier to do tshuva. We don't want people who did the wrong thing and now are sincere about changing their ways. We're not going to put obstacles in their way. We're not putting obstacles. We want to make it as easy as possible for people to do their tshuva, to, to get their repentance. And so he's going to say like this. There's a tremendous takana that was created by Chazal. Let's say, listen to this. If it costs me more money than the amount that I stole to pay back, I owe you 200 and it's going to cost me $400 to fly in from LA. You could give whatever you owe to a Bezdin. And bring your Krabat Asham. And when you give it to Bezdin, as if you gave it to this guy already. So you see that the Chachamim allowed this guy to just put down the, the whatever he stole, put it in front of them, and walk away. Says Tarfin. Memela, if you could do that, so do the same thing. When you walk into shul, you got the five chevras sitting there. You put it down. We want to make your tshuva easier. So you 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 paid your money back. I what's going to be? Let's uh, let the real owner uh, figure it out. He agrees that there's a decree, but he says, "I'll tell you where the sages made their decree that you don't need to put down more expenses than what you stole." That's hecha That's only when you know who you stole from. And you could walk into Bezdin and you could say, Bezdin in LA, I owe money to Rabarn. I owe money to Rib Steve. I owe money to Rib David. I owe. I, it's too expensive for you to go back. It's, yeah, so, so you find a way to get it back to him. To come a Lamari. Somehow the money can make its way back to the owner. But over here, you stole from one of five people. You have no clue who's going to get the money back. The never made their decree, says Rebekiva. Hence, you're going to have to pay back each one. Incredible, incredible machlekes. Says the Gemara. Ravuna Bar Yehuda asked a challenging question. Amar of Shem Ben Elazar. Hashem says, "Like Nachlako, Rabbi, tired from Rabbi Kiva. Lakacham, Chamisha, made it the amazing man. Lakach, this whole this whole dispute is when a person purchased an item from one of uh, from one of five people. And he doesn't know who you bought it from. Shemaniach to be mekach beinayam umestalik. Hear this? He says the machleik is when you bought when you buy it, but you don't know who the seller is. Each one's claiming that they uh, they sold it that they sold it to him. Aman Nachlako, so." Uh, so where's their machlekes? She goes. When you stole it, okay. So meaning like this: If I bought it, and all five guys are telling me they're the sellers, Rebbe Kiva will agree. Just put the money down. And let them figure it out. That's not your calculation. Where does he argue when you stole it? Sherib Tarfin, I remember when he asked to make Zilu Bnei Mistalik. Tarfin says you can just put the money down. and See you later. Rabbi Kiva, I'm there. Ain't like the kind of that's your song. Zilu Cholach, but you got to pay back each one. Visa, get that doctor Shtav. And if you're going to say that they only argue with the guys who are falsely Mali Lekach, Mali Lekach, Mali Gazel, what's the difference if you if the story was where uh, each one was claiming that you bought it from them, or each one's claiming that you stole it from them? 
what's an afkamina? Either way, why are you paying? Not depending on how the money came to your hand, you're paying uh, you're, uh, because of the uh, swearing falsely dika halacha, right? And and furthermore, listen to this Maisa. There's a story with a Chasidach with one story. He purchased from two guys. He bought a basketball. And these two guys look alike. And he doesn't know who the seller is. He came in front of Reb Tarfin. He didn't pay for it yet. Each one says, you owe me the money. Put the money of purchase down. In between them. And leave. So he came in front of Rebbe Kiva. Okay. I guess he didn't like the answer. Right? You gotta pay each one. Now, are we dealing with theft? No. We're dealing with the sale. If you're going to tell me the case is where the the um, these guys are swearing that they sold it to him. I'm sorry that he's that this guy is swearing. Did this guy swear falsely? If you're going to tell me that maybe he swore falsely and then he's doing chuvas, now he's called the chassid. But it seems the whole story he was a chassid the whole time. We know whenever that happens, they were chassidim all along. So, um, you mean very righteous people? Correct. They were very righteous people all along. Um, so you see that you got to that uh, when you swear falsely, even when you there's no swearing falsely, you need to make sure you make payments, says Rabbi Akiva. So why does our Mishnah say you only need to ensure payment if you swore falsely? Again, we're trying to find the author. It's not Reb Tarfin. We said maybe it's Rabbi Akiva. Now the Gemara says it can't be Rabbi Akiva either. Now, again, because according to Rabbi Akiva. He says either way, whether or not he swears falsely, he's mechuyev to chase the guy to Madai. He says, you're right, the author is not Rabbi Kiva. Let's go back to Rabbi Tarfin. Again, what does Rabbi Tarfin say? You put the money between them and walk away. Rabbi Tarfin will agree that you can only put the money down, make one payment and walk away. That is only true. Um, I'm sorry. He will, he, he will hold the only time you can put the money down and walk away is when he didn't swear falsely. But if somebody did swear falsely, you're going to have to pay back each one. My Whoever gives the same puzzle we mentioned earlier, whoever, whoever really owns it, you got to make sure that there's restitution made to him. Rebbe will say that, no, we can ask the guy either way. Yeah, even if he didn't swear falsely, bottom line is, you're a ganav, you stole. They're probably going to say, you steal something, you pay back. Whether or not you swore falsely about it afterwards, make sure restitution is made. There's nothing to to uh, discuss. Reb Tarfin, and according to Reb Tarfin, Michti, let's see. When the guy uh, swore, it is not enough um, unless he's Maida, unless he admits to his Aveiru. My area of Anishba. But if that's true, why are we saying that he also swore falsely? Let me tell you something, says the Gemara. Even if the guy doesn't swear falsely, 
Even if he doesn't swear falsely, we should obligate him to get the money back to the original owner, which might mean five payments. How do you know that? The Tanya, we learned in Ebrahim, agrees, if somebody says to two people, Gazalti a guy wants to do tshuva. He walks over to two chavr and he says, listen, I stole money from one of you, uh, but I don't know who, he's going to have to give each one the money. Obviously, if they also don't clarify, you know, either they don't know or they're both claiming he stole from them. Because he admitted on its own. So Reb Tarfin clearly states that you have a guy who's doing tshuva. He's not swearing falsely. Nobody put him under oath. He's showing up. He's showing up to admit. And still we say you got to pay back to each one. So we see that even in the opinion of Reb Tarfin, you're going to pay back each one without a shvua. So we're back to square one. We don't know who the author of our mission is. Again, who's the, we're looking for an author of our mission that obligates me to pay back each one when I swear falsely, but not when I don't swear falsely. Perfect. Says the Gemara. So we're back to square one. Says the Gemara. Last step for today. Elam Arava, Shiny Masnisin, our Mishnah is different. The Kivan the Yadalaman Gazli in our Mishnah, the guy knows who he stole from. And he is admitting. But he just doesn't know where the guy is. The guy might be a Madai. Kivan since you have a possibility of giving it an owner with uh, without any sort of suffix, it might be cost me money to pay the owner, but I know exactly who I stole from. Havale command Omar Lay. You It's as if, since you know who you owe the money to, get ready for this. If you want to do tshuva, we view it as if the guy who you owe the money to says, just hold on to it till I get back. Hold on till I get back. It's my money, and you're going to be a shimer for it. You become like an automatic, an automatic watcher. Therefore, nishba, if he swore falsely, if you swear falsely, even though we view it like the victim says, hold on to it, you still need a kapara for swearing falsely. So what do you got to do? He, he, originally he swore falsely, claiming that he didn't have it. And now he's busted. So you have to pay back the principal amount and the additional fifth. So we're saying the principal amount, you know, you could say, fine, you're watching it till the guy comes back from Monday. But the additional fifth, you got to make sure you get chuvan. You gotta make. You need a kapara. Laisagi adamatu liyadi. It's 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 uh, not going to work unless it mamish reaches the hand of the one who you swore falsely to, and therefore you gotta follow him to the you know the far corners of the of the earth. If he didn't swear falsely, it's considered a pekod. It's considered a deposit until the guy comes back from Madai and uh, and takes it. Okay. So the Gemara is uh, walking away with um, that the time of Mishnah could be Reb Tarfin. Just our case might be different, again, because Reb Tarfin only holds there where you don't know who you owe the money to. That's where you have the whole conversation. But here you know exactly who you owe the money to. It's just going to cost money. Reb Tarfin will say under those circumstances, the robber becomes like a watchman over the principal amount. And therefore, if you haven't sworn falsely, just hold on to it as a watchman. If you did swear falsely, you have an additional kapara. That's your responsibility to get that kapara, get that atonement. And it's not enough that you're watching the principal amount. You've got to chase down that guy to pay him back the additional fifth and to be able to bring your carbon. 
Okay, we'll hold it here. We'll, we'll, hold, it, we'll hold it here for today. Yeah, go ahead, Doug. Go ahead. So here's the story. 